Amanda, what's good, my man? Uh, a friend just sent me a message like, are the people really calling you Nemanja? <laughs> Wait, what? Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because he, he said, I was just listening to your voice, voice message on LinkedIn, and are they really calling you Nemanja? Yes, every day. <laughs> yeah, I, I know it's Nemanja, right? It's Nemanja. Yeah, 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 I know. It's, it's kind of, when you are in the English-speaking mood, it's kind of more yeah. natural to say Nemanja. Yeah, because I know how it is, but then sometimes I like, it just the, the way it comes out. But, but yeah, that's funny, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it happens to me very, very often as well. Of like, um, I think even you did it the other day. Because I, I remember I just said, with Martia with a Y at the end, instead of an I. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that happens to me like on emails all the time of like people writing me like that. I'm like, I don't even care anymore. Yeah, ah, it happens. Yeah, yeah. You got a haircut or you shave your beard no. or something? No, nothing. I just, I, I need a new one, but. <laughs> you look bad. You look good in shape, man. You look, you look fit. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking if I should continue going to the gym or I should pause for a few weeks just because this COVID thing, like it was, Almost 700 people yesterday confirmed COVID here in Novi Sad only. Wow. And, and those are just like official data. Right. So probably the numbers even higher. I have the, I put a picture on Google Maps of the clinical lab that's doing the, the PCR tests and everything. And uh, since January 18 until yesterday, um, 620,000 people saw the photo. Wow. That's, the, that's actually the real situation. That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, who would look for a clinical laboratory, like not even the 20,000 people, if, right, it, right, if right. it isn't the COVID? Yeah, that's crazy, man. Yeah, I remember I was, in Spain, the situation was really bad before like, I came here to the States, um, and, and here people don't care at all like they don't really give a fuck of like how the situation is or anything like that so it's like fun to like see what's going to happen to them to Americans because like it's coming it, it has to come yeah, yeah. Where, anyway, where are you where are you now which city I'm in Charlotte in Charlotte North uh -huh. Carolina oh nice they're, they're gonna buy Westbrook they say <laughs> I heard I heard that um, I, I don't know. I don't know who's gonna play besides Facebook because they they can only trade Jordan. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can trade Michael. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Michael's the worst general manager of all times. But yeah, but he yeah. doesn't care, and nobody else does. He, so. he doesn't care. <laughs> anyway, uh, we're back. I think it's episode two of season two of B two B Weekly. We're very excited to um, go ahead and get started. We have some very interesting topics that uh, Nemanja and I have prepared for today. Uh, like always, we're going to do the first 30, 40 minutes of uh, discussion. And then we're going to do the last 20, 30 minutes of Q&A. So if you guys have any questions or um, if you have, Nemanja, heard any questions that you also want to throw in, uh, we can go through that. Uh, like I said, we have prepared a few topics. Um, Nemanja, I want to start with... A very interesting one that when we were discussing on LinkedIn, I think people said, you know, this could take hours and hours to discuss. Let's try to keep it to like 10 minutes. But uh, as a marketer, as a salesperson, as a CEO, 
when do you trust your gut versus data, right? I think there's that. Uh, yeah, that's, that's uh, an interesting question from any side. Absolutely. And usually my answer would be, I'm, I'm trusting my gut when I have all the data, right? Right. But there, there, yeah, but there are some times that, that we don't have all the data. And I mean, most of the times we are operating businesses based on the data uh, or do campaigns or whatever we do based on the data that we have at the moment. Because right. as an entrepreneur, as a marketer, as somebody that is making certain decisions, you must act. Time doesn't wait for anyone. And uh, to be able to act, you cannot wait for the perfect situation, for all the data, for all the information. You gotta use what you have at that moment and decide. This is where your gut comes in. This is where your experience comes in, or just your view of the of the situation. Right. Um, my question to that is, you know, when do we know that we have all the data? Because I understand, even in a perfect world, we would, you know, make the decisions from having all the data. But in a real world, we never know when is all the data. So at at one point, do you have enough data to make a decision based on that? Um, versus, you know, just having to trust your gut at all times? I mean, having all the data, it all depends what you're measuring. I'm always remembering that example that all the people are using it and we are constantly talking about it, about like using forms uh, for the content on the website or no. And usually the excuse for the people using the forms is like, this is the way that we can track who downloaded it, right. who, who's reading it. I mean, let's get serious. We can, we can measure those things and follow up with those things even without the form. And it's just laziness of those people that don't want to get into the details, that want to get, want to get into advanced, advanced analytics and measurements to follow up that. So it's easier to put out a form, somebody's filling in, you get on the data and that's how you act. Right. A, sim a simple example. But, but then again, you know, um, do you think waiting for too much data or to com compile a lot of data can uh, slow our decision-making process and make us uh, not be a fast organization or make us not be a fast marketer because we're trying to like, capture all, all data and uh, instead of like making a decision and, and testing and really moving yeah. from there? Yeah, it is definitely something that's making I would say most of the organizations, most of the companies slow because they are waiting for the data, waiting for the perfect situation, waiting for somebody else's decision to impact on their decision. I mean, it's not only individual decision, it's about how the company is structured. Um, I would say one of the things that uh, since it's the end of the year and we're all in uh, working on strategy for the next year, um, I mean, when you, why are we creating a strategy? It's a roadmap of how you're going to achieve something. And like say, if you have a specific goal and you have the specific strategy of how you're going to get there, then you have something to measure ideas, proposals, steps against. Let's say we all get all kinds of ideas every day, but how do you decide? It shouldn't be like, I'm the CEO, I'm deciding if that's good or that's no you are like the CEO, you're deciding on something. It shouldn't be that. It should be like the strategy and we align all the decision based on the strategy. That's how we not uh, involve personal opinions 
and all other things in a way of actually getting to the goal. Let me play devil's advocate. Uh, I think most marketers, most salespeople and most CEOs, and I'm probably including myself, suck at their job. Like, I don't think they're very good. Um, do we still trust them with their gut? Or do we ask them to really work off data? Because, um, you know, what I'm guessing, what I'm, I guess what I'm trying to ask you is, do we trust people's guts in general? Maybe you trust your own, but do you trust other people's? Yeah, it, it, uh, I think it all depends on which positions they are. Why did you hire them? Um, are they A players? Are they B players? Are they C players? How involved are they in all the things? I don't know. I mean, in, in funky marketing, we're trying to, uh, I'm trying to build people up so I can trust them more with decisions in the future. Uh, I mean, you start at some point and then you just continue building, building the trust or you continue with um, giving them um, fewer trust, less trust. So uh, I had that situation in, uh, in um, I don't know, 2017 when I was uh, a GM of, of the UVA. We had a team and team wanted like more freedom. They wanted flexible hours. We were all work, working remote. They wanted flexible hours. They, they wanted uh, to, I don't know, to be able to work wherever they want, no matter the time zone. They wanted some all other benefits. So we gave them all. The owners decided that we should give them all. And they started to suck at work. Right. Uh, they, they weren't there when we um, pinged them on Slack. They, they weren't there to respond to emails of the clients in time. Uh, the, the work was late, the task was late, the projects were late. So we said, okay, now we, we need to change something. So uh, we gave you all the freedom. Now we're taking back some fit. So instead of having eight hours flexible, we're having like four hours uh, from, I don't know, uh, eight to 12 in the morning, Canada time, where our clients are in the office and working. And four other hours you can use and work whatever you want. But inside these four hours, you need to be, um, to be prompt with answering. You need to answer every mail, uh, every email, every message in 10 minutes everything else. We need to know that you are here. Right. That, that's how we do it at my company. Um, not, not for everybody, but for some people, we have like four hours where, you know, they have to be there uh, at, at all times. But, but that's the thing, right? Because I trust my own God. I, I think I make the right decisions. I think I've been working hard enough for long enough to have identified that intuition that makes me make a good decision in the majority of times. But I don't think other people have. And I don't think the vast majority of marketers or salespeople care enough to have developed that. It's like um, you and I have played basketball, right? So when you're playing basketball, you can play the free game, right? Like you can play no, no structure plays, just play off your intuition. If you have good players, it's going to be amazing because they're going to be able to read the defense. They're going to be able to make the right choices. But if you don't have great players, it's going to be the worst offense you've ever seen. Uh, so for me, I kind of like related to that. Like, do you have a team or players who have worked so hard and for so long that they are able to 
intuitively understand the situation that they're in and react quickly and make the right choice every time uh, versus just that have not cared enough over their professional career. And I, that's how I think a lot of marketers are, that they have not cared enough. Um, yeah, but I, I, to I totally agree. I mean, not many people are going are gonna to care about your business and about your client's business as you are. Exactly. And that's, that's a reality. I mean, uh, you can... You can try to teach them to do that. That's what I'm doing. I guess you're doing that too. So they can look as their accounts, as clients, as, as their, own, their own company. And I mean, for now, it's, uh, it's working good. And I, I'm really seeing that those things are really like happening. I had a situation where like, uh, I didn't feel the responsibility so I, I spoke about it, we, we talked about it, and then I'm seeing the improvement, you know, because we are doing a lot of things that I don't want to, like, micromanage every day. Right. Like, you know what we are doing, some things you are doing also when we manage uh, clients' LinkedIn profiles and companies' LinkedIn profiles, and there are some things over there that needs to be done daily. And... I cannot be there daily and just overview everything that's, that's, that's happening. Uh, but I can see the results. And uh, big clients, they're seeing all kinds of small things. Right. And that's what I'm trying to, to teach uh, people from my team, that they need to look at every single small details. Because uh, maybe we don't have it now, but we'll have clients who will go anywhere like, uh, besides them and check every step just so until the time comes that they have their full confident in what we are doing because it's their personal profile sometimes it's um, sensitive matter of course no and, and it's I mean it, this kind of relates to like the topic that we wanted to talk today again of the should you grow at all costs right and, and how do you grow at all costs because if you're involved in the micromanagement there's no way that you like are able to scale the company and grow quickly. Um, on my Slack, I have, uh, you know that you can like distribute the channels that you have. So I have like all the clients that where the where the clients are, or the channels where the clients are, or the channels where my team discusses the clients, and then we have four four channels that are like on the business channels, and it's like business development, processes and systems. Uh, the team channel where everybody is, etc., etc. And one of my propositions for next year is to spend much more time on those four channels than the channels with the clients or the channels where it's like in the business. And that's how I distribute it, right? Like if at the end of the day I'm like, would have spent all my day in the bottom channels, this means I'm not building my team right, or we don't have the systems to do it, or there's something that we're missing because I'm having to micromanage. Um, so, so that's one of the things that like intuitively I can tell, okay, my team is empowered or my team is not. Where, where I'm spending my time really dictates if we see the team growing or not. Um, so tell me a bit more about, you know, your experience growing the company. Um, I, I know we and I like kind of started the business at a similar time, more or less. Um, and I know you have great clients and I know you've like, been hiring great people i've seen them on linkedin um, but tell me a bit more about like your experience has been with growth like is your 
let's, let's start with goals. What, what are your goals in terms of growth for the company uh, within a year or within, um, you know, five years? Oh, it's a good topic. Uh, I love that we're talking about it. <laughs> I mean, so I, I just talked with a potential client this morning and he told me he, he binged the videos on, on our YouTube and he was like, man, it's some advanced stuff. I won't even pretend that I know what you're talking about sometimes. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so yeah, I'm just setting up goals for the next year. And basically, I want... Um, our revenue to grow three times what we have now on a monthly level. And um, I have this decision, I don't want to hire more people uh, until uh, I have to. What does it mean? Uh, until I'm involved also, I need to be involved back in everything. And when I need to be involved back in everything, I know that I need to hire more people. But what do you mean? I don't understand. I mean, we're now like three plus plus two uh, who are like um, part-time yeah and uh, um i don't need to be involved in uh, like in the copywriting in the distribution in all other things i'm involved with the strategy and i'm helping them with with some small uh, adjustments when, when when i need to for yeah. for majority of the clients and um so if I need to go back and help them with, with those things, then I, I know that we need to get somebody else uh, in the company okay. to actually uh, take over some of the businesses. But I think it's going to happen. Um, we are just about to sign like two, two, big, two big accounts uh, and totally different beasts, totally out of uh, our target group, but they come to us. So... When this happens, you cannot just say no. That's uh, that's what you are working for. So, um, basically, this is how I'm seeing it. Uh, I'm uh, transferring everybody that I have. The guy who is doing what I do for funky marketing, he's doing for our clients, and he's overviewing everything. So, creating demand strategy, implementation, watching on revenue, everything. And then I have other people who are below below him and. Uh, doing some things on a smaller level. So this is how, how I'm seeing the, the whole structure. Uh, and then I want to grow also those people to take over more responsibilities and then I hire more people to, to replace them in what they are doing. Okay. But I'm trying to get people who understand the big picture to even do the smaller things. That's how I'm trying to do because I don't need to explain them why are we doing some specific specific things. Yeah, I understand. So, so tripling growth and making sure like, but you're growing steadily, right? Like you don't want to grow. Yeah, I'm, I'm keeping it because we are still we are still rejecting a lot of clients, a lot of clients that are not fit, clients that are not in tech related businesses, clients that we think are maybe too early, clients that we think uh, that. Um, maybe they are a fit when it comes to the size of the businesses and what they are doing, but they are not fit when it comes to the culture. So I learned a lot more about that uh, since since we started. So I can now feel and uh, see how things are just out of an interview even before that. Yeah. So uh, that's a gut. 
Yeah, I was gonna say that's the that's the good. Yeah. Yeah. So so basically basically that's it. Uh, I mean, you know that I don't want to go to grow like a huge company. I want to still want us to be um, the team of maximum ten people, so we can be fast, so we can uh, be flexible, and that's some of the things that that differentiate us from the others. Yeah, I've kind of changed my mind in terms of like where I saw the company going. I think part of it was because initially, you know, from an economic standpoint, I mean, we're both from like areas where it's not New York, right? It's not like the money that flows around is not New York. So I think our goals and objectives adjust to our reality versus the New York reality, right? So I remember when I said it, I want to build, you know, a six-figure business. That was like my dream. If I get a six-figure business, I'll like I'll be happy, uh, and I'll stop there. Um, and, and it was that until like we got there. And after we got there, I was like, I think like this is not enough. Like, because then you start accounting for things, right? Like you start like, oh shit, I'm it's fifty percent gross margin, so it's not a hundred k, it's fifty k. And you know, I'm spending two k to live in New York or just for rent. So like, it, it's just. Like you start readjusting, plus we're very competitive. I think we're very competitive individuals and we always strive for more, right? Like there's always that need of like, okay, now we got the goal. Now what's next? What's next? What's next? What's next? Uh, so for me, I was, I was just telling yesterday this to a friend, like I want to get to a million dollars in two years. And that kind of drives like the decision making that I make to get there, right? It's kind of changed how, what the company needs from me, what the company needs from like the team that we require. Um, so we have to like, like if we want to get to a million dollars, I cannot be involved in production. Like I just cannot be. Uh, so I have to fire myself from that as soon as possible. That means that the back office probably needs to have like, I need some help there, like hiring, finances, all that stuff. I'm going to need at least some sort of help. It means that we have to be very process building, like very process focused. So I'm investing a lot of money for, for my experience in a company that's going to help us set up processes for good. Um, so it's kind of changed how I invest my money. It's changed like the team that I want to build. Um, it changed my responsibilities. And, uh, and having that as the North Star, it just kind of like determined everything. So we just hired Andrea, the girl that you recommended. Because we, if we want to get there, we cannot go with part-time account managers. We have to, we need full-time brand managers. Uh, so it kind of changes everything from even how you hire or who you hire, um, how you pay them. Uh, so for me, that was like something that changed of like, to, I get into a million in two years. And then it was funny because I was mentioning to my friend who runs an agency, but much bigger than mine. And it was like to a million. And I was like, yeah, you know, it's very ambitious goal, whatever, whatever. And it was like in two years. And I'm like, yeah, because I'm very ambitious and I want to get there quickly. And I was like, and he said, dude, a million in two years is not that hard. Like you should like go for something more. And I was like, what? And he was like, yeah, I was thinking like a million in nine months for you. And I was like, what the fuck? But then like hanging out with those people like kind of changes. So maybe instead of two years, I try to make it in a year and a half. Um, so grow. it's not growth at all costs. 
but for us now growth is an important part you know and and that's something that like will if you clarify that it kind of changes everything that you operate on a daily basis and on a micro basis as well i, I totally agree i mean we're also in a growth phase and i'm trying to equip the team so they are prepared for it right um because you know we right now we are in a point where like i'm trying to eliminate all the small details that i'm seeing mm-hmm. small mistakes those are not like huge mistakes like some people wouldn't notice that right. i'm trying to perfect a few things so we can we can go and basically i just told the guys um yesterday or the day before like i'm like um like a train that's rushing you need to to get on board and just follow the lead that that's it because in the i don't know since uh, since after the wedding few clients uh paused the um, our services just yeah. because they, they had something inside uh their companies that need to solve and then i say okay i said okay i need to to get serious about a few things so i got serious about content not about the amount of content that's out there because it's still the same number but uh to get really focused on content and what i'm posting and what i'm doing so now we're about to close like four or five client clients in just in a month and uh those are like half of it are the deals for the whole next year Mm. and those are huge accounts and basically i'm not working that much I just focused on specific things and just and just go it just going there and um i mean so far it's it's working good i'm uh, constantly as you're saying thinking where we're going how we're going um, at the same time i'm writing the the strategy and i'm writing down some processes and responsibilities for specific people in the company where they're gonna go how they're gonna go i didn't do one-on-one calls with uh with employees up until now now i'm uh, i'm evolving into that too because i think there is a um there's a need because i want them to grow in specific uh areas in specific details yep. and uh so i feel that there's a need to do that and i mean it's it's all coming together like all things that we have been working the whole year and i'm glad that i'm proving that yeah, it can be done. Also, you, what we are talking about here and what we were doing, it, it started to, to give results. For sure, for sure. I, I, I was thinking about it before joining the podcast that it's interesting to like hear back the first episodes of, of what we did and then like see the growth that's happened in like the last year or so that we've done this. I think we've done about 17 episodes, so probably like six months or so. Um, and how... The companies have evolved, and we have evolved, right? Yeah, the mindset and everything. Yeah, so so when I was phrasing the topic for this podcast episode of growth at all costs, obviously I think we identify the company first as growth, uh, but from a personal growth, I think that's also even more important. When I was doing my initiatives for uh, 2021, I realized that most of the failures that the company has come from my own failures like my own personal growth is what's bottlenecking the company to grow fastest Um, so as a ceo or as a you know freelancer or somebody who's 
cares about their career, I think you have to invest as much in your personal growth as much as you're investing in the company, right? So for me, like part of it is like hanging out with like other agency owners like yourself or like that community that I mentioned and all that, but also like consuming content, having podcast episodes where I interview others, investing in courses, reading books, you know, trying to audit my own um, areas where I'm missing out. You know, I think I'm a below average salesperson and I'm a below average finance mind. So like trying to get those two right is something that I'm investing a lot of time and money for the next year. Um, so those are like the things that I think we need to audit because that on a personal growth, I think that's growth, growth at all costs, right? From personal yeah. Yeah, same here. I mean, I'm not somebody who is good at those things. And like, I was able to close 28 deals this year. Right. And, yeah. And uh, also one thing that, uh, that I think we need to mention is uh, when it comes to creating podcasts, being out there, um, is being seen with all those people that we are inviting as guests. Right. Like, there's not a small thing to be seen with all those people uh, together, talking about specific things in which you are all professional, in which you are working, where you want to go, those kind of things. Yeah, I think it's uh, just like having like a logo page with like the clients that you're working with. At a personal level, having that content with other experts on your field it gives a lot of trust and credibility. And I think the biggest part of content is trust, right? Uh, so when we get that, we can get it through our own content and we can get it through like getting close to people who have trust. It kind of goes back to like high school, right? Like if you hang out with the cool people, you're one of the cool guys. And if you create content, then you are become one of the cool guys, but you can do both, right? You can be one of the cool guys and hang out with other cool guys. And people want to be around cool guys. It's just how it goes. Uh, so at, a, at its basic label, it's like going back to high school and understanding how do you get trust from people. But let's talk more about trust because this is one of the topics that we want to touch on. I think one of them was how to integrate uh, cold email, sorry, email that is not cold uh, to your marketing strategy. Right? I found that to be one of the best ways to create trust on people who already care enough to give you their email. Uh, so tell me a bit more about like what you've seen to be working from an email standpoint. Um, again, not called people who have willingly given your email. Um, yeah, yeah, you we're, we're not sending call emails. I think I yeah, don't know if you're doing it, not even for pitching somebody to come to the podcast. I do that over LinkedIn. Um, but like it's been a, a month and a half. I think since we started uh, sending out the newsletters again, and there is one thing that, that I did like strategically to empower Martin, yeah, uh, the guy from uh, from from Funky Marketing. I uh, I told him, okay, from now on for the newsletter you're gonna be called Master Martin, <laughs> and that's gonna be your name for the newsletter. That's how you're gonna present yourself. And you're gonna come up with with a newsletter that is um, having your intro, your outro, and uh, the body of the email is gonna be three best posts from from me, yourself, and Ivan. 
from okay. Funky Marketing uh, team. And this is going to be the newsletter. And it's going to go every, every Tuesday, I think. Um, we're not going to try to sell anything. There, there is a CTA over there. If you, they need help, they can schedule a call and uh, just go 30 minutes with us so we can maybe help them in something. Yeah. Nothing else. And we've been doing this for, for a couple of, um, couple of weeks, five, six. And so far, like the open rate is going up. Okay. And you cannot really see it. Like we receive a couple of answers, couple of replies from the people that say they liked it. It's cool. Uh, even we got the client over that. Okay. Uh, but um, like... So far, it's well. yeah, we didn't we didn't see people actually responding much or clicking on that CTA over there. That's not the point, but I'm just looking at some other things because like uh, open rate is a vanity metrics. But in this case, I just want them to read the email. So if right. the 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 open rate is going up around forty percent, that's above the industry standard, and it's great. But then we added a new. Uh, newsletter which is basically the episodes from funky marketing podcast and from b2b weekly so it's going out on sundays i just picked up the day i felt like sunday is the day when people are not doing anything so maybe they will they will listen to it read it and i don't know and so far uh i'm seeing people opening the email nobody's actually clicking but on that email i want them to click right so uh, and it's kind of kind of interesting. So I'm not getting them to the podcast to actually listen to it. At, at least not through email. And uh, this is something that we are working on to improve. So, uh, but overall, to conclude it, I'm seeing that trust is going up. Uh, I'm seeing people in the comments coming up saying, "Man, the the subject." Uh, of the yesterday's email was was great. Uh, it was amazing email. This one is saying like, uh, I love that part when you mentioned this, this and this. So you kind of start seeing the impact. And uh, I mean, it's more than 400 people over there reading every week. So yeah. it's, it's great. And I don't know if they're a target group or not. A lot of them came through the webinars that I organized, like back with Coin started. Yep. So, uh, but uh, I like that I'm seeing that people are unsubscribing, like one, two, or three per per email. That's cool. Yeah, that's uh, and uh, I'm seeing that we are growing the open rate. That means that people are starting to get noticed that hey, our email is gonna come at that time. Uh, we are not trying to sell anything. We're just gonna try to share knowledge, try to give specific, specific things. And I mean, that's what we want to do. We don't want to sell to those people. We just want to educate them so they can say, ah, oh, these guys knows what they're doing. So they can recommend us to someone else. So, you know, those kind of things. Yeah. Uh, I found email to be extremely valuable. I mean, I don't run it for myself. I run it for a couple of clients. One in particular that I think, you know, because uh, we're, you know, collaborating on that. Um, but for us, email has been tremendously effective and one of the highest ROIs I've ever seen. Um, there's a standard in the industry. I don't know if this is like 100% true or not, but they say that you should make a dollar from every email in your email list per month. 
Okay, if you have 100 emails on your email list, you should make $100 a month from that email list. Now, I, I don't know if that's... Uh, I have no idea. I mean, I mean it, it depends. If, uh, if newsletter is your content and you're trying to make money out of it, then maybe. Yeah, that's what we've heard. And in this case, just to give context to the audience, um, we're running this email list to a paid community, a private community um, of agency owners. So basically we're creating content for agencies on that email and linking usually to the community that we have. Um, and we've had, we've basically built a six figure business of about 1500 emails or something like that, 15 to 1700 maybe max. Um, and it's a six figure recurring business. So it's, a, you know, it's um, on an on a RRR basis. Uh, and the way we do it, honestly, it's just been very simple. And just one being very consistent, we've sent four emails per week for a year and a half, not missing a day, not missing a week. Um, two, making sure that the value that you're creating on the email is something that people would pay for. If like, like it, it should be part of like a course or something. The email, the value, we do 90% value to the email um, where we talk about something that's really relevant that we know that the target audience will really value. It's not for everybody. If you're not an agency owner between, you know, 50,000 or 60,000 to like four or 5 million, like you're not gonna, I understand it even, um, but if you are, you're gonna feel like it's talking to you. So being very specific on your content, even if that decreases the open rates, even if that decreases like the click-through rates, uh, just being very specific and very niche on your content, um, and then changing the call to action copy every time. Because we've seen a few emailers, emails like people who have email lists who just copy and paste the, the same call to action every time. So thinking about how the value and what you're selling connects and trying to change the angle every single time because until you hit the right angle for the right person. That, that's how we've done it. Um, it worked really well. And, and for us, this is something that like, I highly recommend people how to, to invest in because even if you like, have a service-based business, LinkedIn, Twitter, SEO, you're all in like rented land. Like it's not your list. You're dependent on algorithms. LinkedIn works great, the algorithm, but they'll switch it up and it's gonna be fucked up. Um, Facebook used to work great. Now you have to pay to play. Uh, so having something that you own is very important. And that's something that we're trying to incorporate from an influence podium standpoint, because we've seen so such great results in, in a company that we work with. Email is, is working great. Uh... I don't know, even if you are selling, I still think this is working great. Um, from this standpoint, yes. And you need to be original if you are, especially if you are going four times a week, even if you are going twice a week, you need to, to change each thing. You cannot say it's eight o'clock, uh, it's cloudy outside and I'm writing this email to you like four times a week. Right. You, you cannot do that. You need to change all kinds of things. Like, um, I don't know, there are, but there are a lot of things that you can, that you can implement over there, especially if you know your target group well, 
it can work perfectly. And those are, that is not one thing that is like few things that are relatable to a lot of people inside that group. So one week, one day it's going to relate to someone, the next day it's going to relate to the other guy. But it's important that you try to innovate, try to create, and try to see what's working. Why did this email went well and the other went like uh, a little bit uh, worse than, than the first one? Why exactly. did it happen? Uh, I mean, from what I'm seeing, a lot of uh, a lot of things depends on a, on a subject, obviously, uh, and it all goes as we are writing also the post on LinkedIn and everywhere else. So you first need to get people to open the email. Then when they open the email, they need to see the headline, which will guide them to to look at the body of the email. When they look at the body of the email, one goal should be to get them to to click to the CTA, right? Yeah, and I really, like you said, I really believe that the angle, switching the angles is very important because, uh, like, if we all react to different things and, and different copy makes us react, there's no way that you, the one copy hits everybody. Um, so, like, especially when you have a limited email list that's not growing super fast, that's when you really have to change it because otherwise you're, uh, I think there's called the ad frequency in Facebook ads, it's going to happen the same thing in, in email. Um, so like if you one day try an angle that's basketball related, I'm probably going to buy for that, right? Maybe, maybe others won't, but I'll, you'll get mine. This and then is you the one we are waiting for. <laughs> yeah, and you try another angle and then somebody else will react to that. Um, so, so trying different things works. I think some, from a tactical standpoint, having an email sequence, like a, we call it a welcome email sequence, like just what I wanted to say. Okay, okay. Go, go continue. We're on the same page. If somebody comes in from a new subscriber, uh, we have an email sequence that sends them six emails in seven days. And we found that to be super effective because it's something that you build, you set it, you plug it, and you, then it plays forever. And the emails have to be evergreen so that they work forever. Um, but it's honestly like having a salesperson on 24 seven that you don't have to pay. So you said it and then that, that makes you money. I, I think that's like the low hanging fruit of email of like people who are like getting new subscribers but don't have a email, welcome email sequence that kind of sells it for them. I don't know if you've done something like that as well, but we found yeah, it I mean, we, we did it also with a, with a client, not in, in the way like sending welcome emails, but um, like, they were just distributing their blog posts. Right. Sometimes some other things, some CTA, some actions, okay, but usually they were distributing the blog posts uh, because they were working in education. And um, so as the new blog post is written and published, we add them to the, to the email stream. Mm -hmm. And as somebody new is subscribing, like the email goes. And uh, like it was interesting, like the owners said like, why aren't everybody getting the same emails? I mean, they didn't subscribe at the same time. So they are getting a lot of um, other uh, things related to content. But here we have to intervene um, when we started because somebody else was doing it, but they didn't pay attention. Like they're getting um, blog posts about summer activities in the winter. Right. Or, you That's know, why it has to be 
yeah, those kind of things you need to take care of what you said. Those need to be like emails that will, that will or blog posts or whatever it is that um, are working every time, no matter the season, no matter the, the time, not anything, if you want to do it that way. Yeah, it has to be context relevant always. That's what I think about it. Um, we, we talked about like having different angles and, you know, testing them out. Um, and, and it kind of reminds me of the topic that we want to touch on regarding how to never run out of content ideas. You see that segue that I just did? Fucking amazing, huh? <laughs> I'm getting better at this thing. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you and I put out a lot of content. Um, you put more content on LinkedIn than me. I think I, I put out um, a little bit more Twitter content sometimes. Uh, we both have a podcast separately and this one. Uh, so we're all um, in different places. Um, and, and I think I've heard it before. I don't know if you have. Of like, how the fuck do you never, how, how do you know how to post? Right? Like, how do you, like we have 17 episodes of B2B Weekly or 18 with today. That's 18 hours of conversation. Yeah. Plus everything else that we do. How do you never run out of content ideas? Uh, I have some I, I have some tips on this and best practices, uh, but I want to hear what you have, right? Like, what are you doing to like always know how to post? Post three times on LinkedIn, post on YouTube, on Instagram, on your Facebook, on your email, on your blog. How do you do that? Yeah, I had I had this idea to uh, to write the list down, but they didn't find time. Uh, so I'm going to go out of my head. So first of all, I'm using the notes on my phone to write down anything that comes to my mind. So even if it's one word, it will associate me with what I'm thinking and I'm adding it straight to the buffer. Um, sometimes I'm adding just thoughts in buffer also and going back to it in a day or two just to... to um, sort it out is, is, the, is the actual post. Also, I'm screenshotting a lot. Like I'm screenshotting, saving everything, all kind of things. If you look at my phone, there are like 300 screenshots. And um, so I'm constantly seeing ideas, uh, seeing some things and coming up with my own ideas, how it can be implemented, how it can be done. And I'm not just implementing it. I'm sharing my thoughts of how I would do it. Right. Also, like I'm thinking as they say, like thinking in public. Um, I'm also doing that uh, because, I mean, we have built a community over there and I'm trying to get used to it. So I'm using the community to grow, to grow more, to share ideas and go into that. Also, like, I'm doing a lot of things. I'm doing a lot of things with the team, inside the company, with the clients. I'm talking to a new people, not even on podcasts, but or virtual coffees and uh, doing mentorships outside the business. Uh, it's a lot of things that you can use over there for, for content. And you just need at least once, one a day, right? So when you look at it from that perspective, it's not, it's not that much. And then you add comics, you add books, you add that you, I don't know, watch a movie or watch sports, then it gets you into some conversations. Then there are things in the world happening. And then you go to Twitter and there are all kind of business people sharing ideas, uh, sharing thoughts, sharing results, information, everything. Twitter is a huge place when you can find ideas also. And 
I mean, those things are just enough. And now we are going uh, as, a, as a company, we are going into stage where we're going to write more. So like three of us are going to write uh, a blog post per month. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to get also also that part. Um, and basically, basically that's, that's it. There, yeah, also, also other things, uh, just because I want to have some fun. Like, um, I'm doing GIFs for the Funky Marketing page, mm-hmm. just because I'm enjoying finding some different GIFs and having fun. So I'm also, I'm also doing that. And besides all of it, there are like um, small videos cut out of these podcast episodes that I'm also distributing. So that's a lot of content. Yeah, I think we should write an article together about this. Do you want to do this? Let's talk yeah, about it yeah. after. Like a co-branded article on how to never run out. Because I think you have great ideas. I have some thoughts. Mm, just, just, just one thing uh, before, before you start talking about all of it. What is the idea that we're going to uh, implement? Is we're going to give Funky Marketing Awards. Just because I'm seeing a lot of people giving awards, everything we're gonna give funky marketing awards because for us funky marketing means something. We're gonna ask those people what mar- funky marketing means for them, and this is also how we're gonna uh, come up with uh, with content. Perfect. C- can I get an award? <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Noted. <laughs> okay, give me give me an award for like the best Spanish basketball entrepreneur. Um, but, but yeah, I think one thing that really resonates with me about what you said is it's very easy to come up with content ideas when you're so focused in the work. When you're in it, thinking about it 24-7, it's very easy to have content ideas because there's always something, a question that a prospect asks you, a question that a teammate asks you, something that you think that you think is interesting that comes up, then you write it down and you create a huge backlog. Like I was sleeping last night and I came out with two things that I think are important to say. And I woke up, wrote it down and sent it, right? Cause like, and I was dreaming about it. So it's easy when like, when you get to the point when you're dreaming about work, it's easy to like have content. Now, if you're looking for content ideas, um, I, I think one part is uh, understanding repurposing. So there's a lot of things that I post, especially there's times that I don't want to write new things or that I don't want to create video content. I just don't feel like doing it. But I have a huge backlog of content that I've already posted before and that in certain platforms that you can just recycle. Like on LinkedIn, I've recycled content. On Twitter, I've recycled content. And it's fine because you're going to hit a different audience. It's a different time. Your audience has grown. They haven't seen it. Uh, so having that backlog of like when you're feeling burnout with content creation, recycling that's a good option Um, another idea is to put yourself in situations where you don't have to create the content so in this podcast together we are we're both 50 50 creating the content that kind of relieves a bit the pressure but we still have pressure to give our thoughts Um, on my podcast and on the farking marketing podcast i don't have to create the content my guest does all i have to do is ask questions so being a bit of like the interviewer, it really helps to like create great content that then, but it's without adding pressure on your shoulders. 
um, when you are proactively creating content, the same ways that I do, that I use when, when I'm running out of ideas and I'm thinking about uh, potential ways. Uh, some of this is, for example, uh, Quora. Quora is a Q&A platform. Uh, I have a lot of experience there because that's where I started uh, and when working really well for me in terms of like coming out with questions that people are already asking and I want to answer. Uh, consuming other people's content and thinking about how you put it differently or if you're in agreement or disagreement, um, give credit. But I like to like go through your content or through Chris Walker's content and say, oh, I don't agree with this. Let me write my own idea. Um, so, so that's something that I do. Um, yeah, so, yeah, like... Um, go ahead, go ahead. The, the, you were cutting my clip. I was going to make this a clip, but now you fucked it up. <laughs> it's been over 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I just want to say, like, I didn't ever listen to uh, Dimension Live on Spotify, let's say. And I did it yesterday. And there are some guests... There are some things I learned a lot. You know, right. I, I was I was usually following on YouTube right. discussion and everything. I I didn't think that it's different over there. Just wanted to say that like this that's great because there's different content on on audio. Right. There are some interviews. There are some other stuff, and um, I find this this a, a great thing. Mm, I didn't think about it. Right. Uh, I didn't think about doing it, but it, it's it's a great value to somebody who is just an audience. But like people, people hate on like stealing ideas. I love stealing ideas. Like I'm the biggest idea stealer ever. Like I'll just get your idea, steal their idea, put it together and make a better idea. Like there's nothing wrong about stealing. Give credit where the idea comes from, of course. But like, why wouldn't you? I, I, I just don't understand. Like another thing that I do, for example, is I go to Forbes, look up for the topic of my industry, read the title of the article, not read the actual article, just read the title, and then write my own article on, with that title, right? And, and sometimes it's similar to the original article, sometimes it's not. Um, but like having that as inspiration points, all we need is an inspiration point. And then the, the last thing I wanna add to it is um, to never think your idea is stupid, right? Because I think that's an actual issue. Like when you go to the root of the issue of like, I don't have content ideas. Yes, you do. You just think they're dumb. But that's why you're not posting. Because you don't have the self-confidence of thinking people actually care about what you have to say. So when you actually understand that no idea is really stupid and that there's something there, it might not be perfect, but there's something there. If it's interesting to you, it's interesting to other people. So changing your mindset, I think, is the biggest, biggest key to never run out. Like... This is an idea that I can create, right? It, like, it's something about understanding that every idea has value and every idea can help people. That is what's stopping people from actually creating content and what I think have, they have to change to adjust that mindset. Yeah, there, there, there are two more things that I thought of that we should say just for the sake of the article that we're going to write afterwards. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yes, <laughs> yeah, uh, Google Alert. Yeah, usually there are shitty articles, there's a lot of um, ABM stuff over there, reports, meaningless reports, uh, costing a lot and those kind of things. But headlines, uh, you can find good headlines because you get so many of them every day. 
Right. Um, I'm using those to come up with content, also Google recommendations in that section on the phone. I don't know how it's called, but yeah, I think when you choose the topics and you get the news about them. Um, this is where I find a lot of interesting articles. Uh, some of them are even older than two or three years. And it's interesting that you find that article, you see what they were writing like two years ago, and then you come up with, with your version of it, what's happening now. Right. That's, that's actually, actually a good thing. Also, Facebook memories. I'm like regular on Facebook because the whole Serbia is. So um, I like to provoke people over there. Uh, Facebook, I'm using it as Twitter, basically. So I'm uh, not rarely I'm renting over there. I'm trying to to provoke Serbian marketing community to react, to come in, up into conversations, those kind of things. Trying to move up the community a little bit, and um, so when a year passes, Facebook reminds me that I have been posting that. Oh, right. And then I just translate it into English and I post it on, on LinkedIn and I have a viral. Right. Like it, it's literally happening like almost, almost daily because I was posting daily. As I was going through my career, I was posting about things that bother me. That's funny. Even if it's like organizing a team, even if it's like relationship with, with colleagues, uh, I don't know, all kind of different things. And now from this perspective, when I have much more experience and I, I'm seeing things from different angles. It gives me a nice overview of what I can write about. I agree with that. I think the more content you create, the easier it is to have more ideas because now you understand what ideas are good, what ideas are not so great. You have previous ideas that you can work off. Uh, you have reminders of ideas. Like the, the, It's easier the more you do it, and, and even though that looks contradictory. You know what I mean? But yeah, I, I think we've discussed some very interesting topics today. Uh, I'm really excited about what we were able to cover. Um, I got to run. I, I know your business well because it's probably like 7 p.m. there. Uh, but I appreciate your time, man. Um, great episode today. Next week, more and better. Yeah, definitely. We still have some topics to cover. Thank you, Alexandra, our biggest fan. Thank you so much. We appreciate you. <laughs> I'll, Thank I'll you. <laughs> uh, I was late, but I hope that we'll join next time, next yeah. Wednesday. Don't, don't be late again, Alexander. Get get here on time. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for being okay. here. Um, and, and you too, Nemanja. I'll see you guys next week. See yeah. Ya. Thank you. Bye. Bye bye. bye.